In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the internationally acclaimed OGGN HSE podcast heard in over 100 countries. However, this is not just another episode. This is actually the 52nd recording since we began our relationship with our current sponsor, Anderson Hauser. There's been well over 150 OGGN podcasts for HSE, but depending upon our production release schedule, we will be at about the one-year anniversary with Anderson Hauser when this podcast is released. So this is a very special podcast for us, and as I said, we're working on the production schedule, but we hope this 52nd edition of the OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by Anderson Hauser comes out around the time of the Offshore Technology Conference, or OTC, here in Houston. One of the reasons for this is because OGGN has a special relationship with a company here in Houston called The Canon. And you can just Google The Canon or thecanon.com. For those of you in Houston, but in this case, for those of you coming from out of town or even out of the United States, if you need office or desk space, you can mention OGGN at the front desk of The Canon for a free desk pass. And the Canon is also where we host the Houston OGGN Happy Hour the last Thursday of every month. The other reason is that the Canon is building the only global, virtual, and physical network of entrepreneurs, startups, investors, advisors, along with established companies to connect all these innovators of all these different types from all backgrounds with the resources that they need to succeed. As a matter of fact, through OGGN's strategic partnership with the Canon and our other industry partners, there isn't an oil and gas resource or expert we can't provide for you, including our own speakers bureau for any conference or meeting you might need to fill a program with. Just reach out to me on LinkedIn for details regarding your particular situation. Also, with reference to OGGN, go to our website at OGGN.com and check out our complete lineup of oil and gas podcasts by clicking on the Find Your Podcast link. If you haven't checked this out in a while, we've added several more, as Mark LaCour would say, cool selections, solidifying OGGN's position as the world's leading oil and gas podcast network. All right, with that, let's get to our special edition today because I have on the show Mr. John Lasick, and for reasons I'll divulge in a moment, I'm especially glad to welcome him on the show. John, welcome, and thanks for coming on. Thank you, Russell. I appreciate it, and glad to be with you today. Uh, we appreciate you. John, you're a certified remediation specialist. That's but before correct. we delve off in, okay, but before we delve off into that, as obviously everyone can figure out with that title, we're going to be focusing on the E in HSE today. But ironically enough, you actually have more oil field experience than anybody I've interviewed the past 52 weeks. Tell us about that, and then let's segue into what we want to focus on today, which is remediation of produced water and oil spills. Well, it goes back a long time, Russell. <laughs> it goes back uh, 1975 when I graduated from Tarleton University with an agricultural degree. My dad was a petroleum engineer, and at that time, I swore I wasn't going into oil and gas business, so my dream was to be in the ag business or even the forestry aspect of it. But as we all know, the money on the ag side versus the money in the oil and gas side made my choice pretty easy. 
Also, the company my dad was oil and gas manager for, R.E. Bob Smith out of Houston, Texas, that company asked me if I would like to go to work for the company. And I said to Mr. Bill Finnegan, who at that time was uh, manager of uh, R.E. Bob Smith, I said to Mr. Finnegan, I said, yes, sir, Mr. Finnegan, but uh, I don't want to be a pumper all my life. (laughs) So that started my career in the oil and gas. And I spent, gosh, right at 30 something years on the oil and gas side through secondary recovery projects, initial drilling of the East Texas Cotton Valley field, South Texas, various interests in various areas of the oil and gas operation. Now let's talk about Mr. R.E. Bob Smith. We have, of course, people listening, as I said, in over 100 countries, but our biggest listenership is in Houston. Mr. Smith had a special relationship with a little old thing we used to call the eighth wonder of the world, didn't he? That's correct. Mr. Smith, he owned the land and donated the land. And I believe it was the Houston Sports Association when they visioned and constructed the Astrodome. And then was was he also an owner of, of the Astros or the Colt 45s? Or Yes, sir. He Originally, it was the Colt 45s. And then later on, the Astros. Mr. Smith was a large owner in that until later years. They brought on some other partners and as Mr. Smith got older, you know, his interest in the organization went down to just a smaller percentage that, you know, his family carried on. So with you growing up with your, your dad actually being the operations manager for Mr. Smith, you actually got to meet a lot of the old original Colt 45s and Astros, didn't you? Yes, sir. I did. We attended several games. We would sit. Mr. Smith was adamant about sitting right down behind the catcher. He wanted to sit in the front. So we didn't sit in the in the suites upstairs. We sat right down behind the catcher. And I can remember one instance where I was kind of young and I was kind of upset because I thought, well, I can't get a foul ball here in this area because of the netting. <laughs> so Mrs. Smith got up, walked down to the dugout and had all the Astros sign that ball. And to this day, I still have that baseball. Wow. Well, they did call the Astrodome the eighth wonder of the world. And for those of you who don't know, it was actually the beginning of indoor climate controlled baseball and and football stadiums. So how did you get in on the environmental side, going back to this certified remediation specialist? Once we reached a point with the Smith organization where they sold their operations, the properties that they operated. I went into the consulting business in oil and gas. And at that time, my dad was retired and he told me, he said, son, why don't you use that agriculture degree and clean up the messes we made in the oil field all back during those days? So at that point in time, just in a coincidence, I was asked by a fellow to come join Tetra Technologies and start an environmental division for Tetra. So we started the 27th division of Tetra Technologies in 1996 called the Environmental Specialty Division. And what did you do there? We headed up and did the research and worked with Dr. Seren Mishra there with Tetra and coming up with products that we could deal with sodium salt contaminated soils, hydrocarbon spills, as well as we had some dust control products we did. But we spent a lot of a lot of time in the beginning putting these products together primarily on the salt sodium side where we could do in situ remediation 
of these spills, new spills, as well as these older, what we call legacy spills. Okay, so let's talk about a legacy spill. What what does that mean? Oh gosh, it just means it's an old spill, one that's been in place for years. Some of these spills that we've worked on have been in since the you know the 1940 late 40s 50s but those are basically the old legacy spills you know and they're a little harder to deal with than the newer spills okay so now when we talk about dealing with them when you're talking about either new spills or or legacy spills what you're actually talking about is is you're talking about where produced water has been spilled and it's killed all the vegetation in the trees right that's correct and so you talk about in situ remediation because normally don't you just go in and dig all that up and just replace it with new dirt? That's been the traditional way of doing it for years. That's referred to as the digging hall. However, in doing that, we were looking for a way to be able to preserve the soil in place and remediate that soil rather than having to dig that other soil up, go through the process of transporting it to a facility that would take it and then having to transport new soil back to the spot that you had excavated that from, which in doing that, you know, it was rarely that you could bring back the same type of soil. So you had to rebuild structure and everything else. So that was the purpose of the study. And what we did with Tetra is develop the process where we could just remediate everything on site and not have to disturb the land not have what we all know as the cradle to grave issue and had worked very well over the years. And you actually worked in conjunction with Texas A&M at that time, didn't you? Yes, sir. We did. Dr. Lloyd Duell at Texas A&M. Dr. Duell was instrumental in doing this research with Dr. Mishra and the Tetra group. And we worked hand in hand with him in developing the product that Tetra calls Renew. Okay, so John, you cleaned up a lot of spills, as you said, new spills and also legacy spills. In fact, there was one one spill that you cleaned up that I think is still in the textbooks of some of the soil remediation studies for geologists. You remember the one I'm talking about? Yes, sir. That was the spill in Spring Hill, Louisiana. That was a legacy spill that Shell Oil Company had had. And numerous people had tried to remediate that spill in order to get pine trees growing. It was unsuccessful. Representatives of Shell, we were working for Shell at that time in South Texas, McAllen Ranch. They asked us if we could look at it. So we went up, looked at the site, and gave a proposal for our in situ remediation. And long story short on that, it was very successful. And there's been documents written about that site. And as you said, in some of the university textbooks, there's referrals to that particular site. So John, like a lot of good things in the, in the oil field. And, and like you said, you've seen just about everything. Sometimes what works and good ideas, all of a sudden they just kind of seem to go away for some reason or another. Is that what happened here? Oh, on the remediation? Well, right. what, what happened on that, Tetra, as any large businesses do, they look at the direction they want to take their business and the environmental. We were there three years, and at that point in time, Tetra had decided to take their investments and go a different direction. I think they were at that time they were going offshore, plugging in abandonment. So we kind of closed out the remediation phase of it, and 
walked away. And at that time, I went back in the oil and gas business side of it. And I can just lead that into you and I had a conversation not too many years ago, and we talked about the remediation. And I visited with Tetra, and Tetra was the kind to give us the rights to be able to utilize, solely utilize their remediation products and offering their technology to us going forward. So you and I, EROSC, redeveloped and rekindled our our business and have moved forward over the last several years. And so this was the full disclosure I was talking about at the beginning of the show when I said I was especially glad to have you on the show. And for those of you who want to see some actual case histories and before and after and that sort of thing, you want to see how ugly salt scarred produced water spills, how ugly they look and then how they can be remediated and start growing nice, fresh vegetation again. There are several pictures you can look at on that website and we'll actually post the website in the show notes. But John, tell us how this, especially let's talk about produced water and then we'll talk about, about oil spills too, but especially with produced water, what happens, you know, what is the actual contamination that the produced water causes and then how do you remediate it? Well, you know, there's a lot of misconception on that and has been for years because primarily when you spill produced water, everybody was concerned. And to this day, a lot of the regulatory entities, their main concern is chlorides. However, chlorides is your initial burn. Chlorides is not your long-term effect on the vegetation. It's actually the sodium is a long-term effect on the vegetation. Chlorides and is a, is a negative charge, which your clays is a negative charge. So therefore, it's like a magnet. It, rep- it repels. And you can flush your chlorides through the system. However, the sodium with a positive charge is like the magnet on the other side. It attracts to the clay and bonds. So that creates a circumstance where the plant is not strong enough to pull the moisture from the clay, which also holds your nutrients. So therefore, you can't get any vegetation to grow. And so how do you fix that? So what we use, we use a proprietary product developed by Tetra in conjunction with Texas A&M. The product process is a patented process. And that contains, which everyone knows and that's familiar with this type of business, calcium. Calcium is one of the minerals that's very good for exchanging sodium on the soil. We use gypsum for many, many years. The problem with gypsum, it takes so much gypsum that it just takes a lot of time and a lot of water to complete a remediation of the nature of produced water spills utilizing gypsum. Tetris calcium product is one of the highest contents of calcium that can be found. And with the proprietary blend that Tetra uses, it's very, very good for sodium exchange and remediation. Yeah, you know, I think you mentioned Texas A&M. I think you mentioned Dr. Lloyd Duell, who wrote a book with another soil scientist. I think his name was George Holliday about soil remediation from produced water spills and oil spills. As I read the book, in fact, I actually took his course at LSU. He actually has a case study where the large companies would buy a piece of salt scarred property from the landowner, 
put gypsum on it and try to keep water on it for about seven to eight years. And then when they finally got it remediated, then they'd give it back to the land, sell it back to the landowner for a dollar or something like that. It was a very time consuming process. And what you guys actually discovered, especially in dealing with a lot of wheat fields and things like that in Kansas, this product from Tetra, this liquid amendment, it started working almost instantly, right? That's correct. And part of the studies we were doing during the development of this, we actually would took a site, we actually treated the site, and every hour we pulled samples for a period of about six hours, I believe, on that. And we could monitor the remediation and the exchange as the product worked its way through the soil structure. And so not only did you have something that that worked quick, but going back again to having to bring in a whole bunch of equipment, dig, haul it off, dispose of the contaminated soil someplace else and bring in what you hope is not contaminated soil and mix as well with what's already there. This is actually a a lot more cost effective, right? Yes, sir. It is. It it is. And and to back up, Russell, on uh, one of the things, something that's really important in any remediation is getting the initial soil samples so that you can evaluate primarily what we look at is what we call cation exchange capacity. That tells us what type of soil and how much clay is in that soil, how much clay or how much sands in that soil. The other that we like to look at and need to see is what we call exchangeable sodium percentage. That tells us how much sodium we can remove with the renew product from that soil. So with those two lab sample analysis, we can go in and determine how much we need to pull out, how deep we need to remediate it for whatever type of vegetation we're going back with. And then we apply our product. Some instances we apply supplemental fresh water, depending on the climate and the time of year. Other times we'll wait, let mother nature just utilize rainfall in remediation. And again, you can see several examples of this on the website to to see exactly what we're talking about here. Real quick, well, let's talk about two things. We focused kind of on legacy spills, but if you have, say, a, a pipeline break or a tank battery gets struck and you have a fresh produced water spill, using this product immediately can help actually mitigate some of the damage, right? That's correct. We've had instances, particularly I can remember one in a cotton field in West Texas where the customer actually kept product on hand. They had a spill and they utilized the renewed product, flushed down just down the rows between the cotton plants, and they did not lose their cotton crop. There was a few affected areas, but minimal effect to it. And they were able to end up and produce that cotton, strip that cotton for that year. Okay. So now let's also, let's talk about oil spills. Tetra developed a product for that too? Yes, sir. Tetra has a couple of of products that they utilize on an oil spill. The first product that we talk about would be the Displex product. That's a green product that Tetra utilizes to spray, wash. It actually breaks down the hydrocarbon Whereas, you know, you can utilize a lot of surfactants. Surfactants sometimes, particularly on water, will mask that and go to the bottom, you know, weight it down, but it actually comes back. But the Displex actually breaks down the hydrocarbon and is a very, very good product to use initially on a spill and cleaning up. 
on some of these older spills where there's hydrocarbon in the soil and everybody talks about utilizing microbes and things like that. What we found in the research at A&M was there's microbes are in existence already. What we needed to do was put something together that would feed those microbes and cause the existing microbes to grow. So that's what we did with the product Excel. And basically it got its name from acceleration of the microbial effect on the hydrocarbon. Yeah. And you don't take the chance of bringing in some microbes that you might not necessarily want to introduce. Plus the fact keeping those things live and active is not nearly as good a solution as just going in and and sort of, as the old saying goes, waking up the bugs that are already there, right? That's exactly right. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) As a matter of fact, speaking of case studies and that sort of thing. I think this is on the website too, but there was a lightning strike on a, on a tank battery in West Texas. You can see the ugly pictures, oil just, you know, is so mucky and everything, but we were actually able to use those two products and, and actually clean that up and get closure from the railroad commission in less than 45 days. That's correct. And just to throw out another instance was, I believe it was Fort Bend County where there'd been a leak from a tank battery. And I think yeah, over Russell, 100 you were, barrels. Yeah, you, you're real familiar with that, but that's where the Displex product was used. Exactly. And, and what happened was we actually got there and they were this entire three quarter acre hayfield, they were just digging it up and hauling it off as fast, as fast as you can. The truth of the matter is it was an insurance job and they were actually running out of money. The Operator was worried what he was going to do. The insurance company was was worried what they were going to do. And so we actually had the EPA out there on that particular job because it had gotten into a, a waterway and all that. And I told him, I said, stop digging and hauling. I can fix this. They said, well, there's too much surface oil all over it. You know, they said, if it rains again, it's going to go back in the water. I said, okay, I'll fix that. So we used the Displex product. We got rid of all the surface oil. I said, then I'll come back in and we'll use our Excel product and and we'll bioremediate this. In this particular case, even though 100 barrels of oil had had spilled out over this hayfield and it stayed there for three or four days before anybody discovered it, that's, that's another story, but we don't have time to go into that. Despite that fact, after we treated the site with the Displex product, then went in and had it sampled for TPH contamination because we thought we'd have to go back in and and follow up with the Excel. Actually, all the TPH contamination had gone away and it was all within regulatory limits. So it's quite a product. And again, these Tetra products are, are only available today through EROSC, right? That's correct. Well, John, again, I appreciate you coming on the show. If folks want to know more, and I'm fairly sure that there are those out there who will, they should go to our website, www.erosc.com. That stands for Environmental Oilfield Services and Consulting, erosc.com. And from there, they can contact us to be put in touch with you if they want to know more information or they got a problem they want to try to address. I want to thank everyone for listening. And again, remind you, this podcast would not be possible if it were not for our sponsor, Anderson Hauser. Anderson Hauser is a global leader in measurement instrumentation services and solutions for industrial process engineering. They provide process solutions for flow measurement, level, pressure, temperature, analytics, and much more, optimizing processes and efficiency, safety, and environmental impact. 
They serve many industries across the globe, including a major focus in oil and gas industry and Hauser, the people for process automation. Please tell them thank you for sponsoring the show by going to our OGGN Anderson Hauser website, which you can find a link to in the show notes and register there for our monthly giveaway. Also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and that contact info you can find in the show notes as well. Tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSC podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Please leave us a review on iTunes, like us on LinkedIn and use all of your social networking to tell your friends about us. And now here's Savannah. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for August 2021. This month, we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on August 26th. Our July happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the last one, we hope to see you there this month. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts, network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Other than OGGN's events, we have three in-person events and one hybrid in-person and online event. First up, we have our three in-person events. The first being OTC, or the Offshore Technology Conference, at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas, from August 16th to the 19th. Next, we have the IPAA Leaders in Industry Luncheon at the Petroleum Club of Houston on August 17th. And lastly, we have the 2021 Connected Plant Conference at the Renaissance Hotel in Austin, Texas from August 30th to September 2nd. Other than our three in-person events, we have our hybrid event, which is NAEP, or the North American Prospect Expo. Now this summit is a hybrid event because it's both online and in-person. The in-person portion of the event will be from August 18th to the 20th at the George R. Brown Convention Center, while the online portion of the event is from August 9th to September 3rd. If you have any questions about these events or any podcasts within the Oil & Gas Global Network, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for August. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.